4: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show
0: podcast.
5: Welcome, everybody. Monday edition of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Um, our man Clay is on a vacation with his family. He is either in or en route to Australia, we believe, as we uh, speak to right now. So I'll give you some updates uh, from him from land down under over the next week. But it's just going to be me, the Buckster, rocking out with all of you and... Getting into it in this, uh, final week before Christmas. So I'm looking forward to it. And if you want to chat with me, 800-282-2882 on those phone lines. A lot of news to get to today. Uh, you have, oh boy, a lot about Biden. So I'll just say, what about Biden? A lot. A lot that we will get into. Plus on immigration. 67,000 migrants in New York City shelters. What is the New York City mayor saying about the 67,000 migrants in the shelter system? Plus a, uh, Senate staffer allegedly in a, uh, I guess a ho- homemade porno video, a Democrat staffer in the, in a Senate hearing room. And the way the media covered this is amazing. The left wing media, the way they, Talked about it. Republicans pounce. We shall discuss some uh distressing but important data about 18- to 24-year-olds, what they think about uh, the Palestinian grievances, and just white people in general. This goes to uh, the discussion we've been having about how, for the left in this country, Israel-Palestine is not a religious conflict or a colonialism conflict. It is a – or you know, anti-colonialism or whatever – it is at its core, it is those things at some level, but at its core for the left in America, it is a racial conflict, even though that makes really very little sense. If you understand the dynamics, they don't care. Um, they view it as white and white versus brown or white oppressing brown. Um, and then we've got a, a federal court looking at Connecticut's Policy when it comes to trans athletes, uh, trans men competing against trans women. We'll get, we'll get into all this if we have time. I, but I got to start with this because the stories are all over the place right now. Joe Biden's at his worst numbers ever. His worst approval numbers ever. The biggest deficit vis-a-vis Trump ever. And I sit here in all due humility and say to you, I can't discount these numbers. I don't know exactly what's happening here because I can't trust this. I just can't trust it. I'm I, i going to verbalize to you the best I possibly can what's happening here politically and what the mood of the country is, but I feel like we are looking down the railroad tracks one way and nothing is coming and it's clear as can be and not paying attention to the possibility of a train coming in the other direction. There must be something. At least this is what keeps going through my mind. There must be something going on here. But but first, before I get into the analysis of it, let me give you these numbers. Let's look at what's really happening here. Right now, real clear politics, polling average. You've got Trump with the largest lead he's ever had over Biden. He's at 47% versus Biden's 43.7. So he's up about three points and change. Now, that's a national poll. You have to remember that Republicans can win even without winning the popular vote based on the Electoral College. And so if Trump is up a few percentage points just nationally in general, that's way beyond what you would expect, even if Trump was in a good position vis-a-vis Biden at this point. But I also wonder, oh, there's um, a breakdown here of, the voting as well. Trump is at 40. This is, again, the real clear politics average. Biden is at 35. This takes into account other candidates. RFK Jr. at 13 in this poll. Stein at 2. West at 2. So if this uh, real clear politics polling average is an accurate reflection of where we are right now, you've got 15, 17 percentage points taken by third-party candidates. And you've got to, at least the four that are going to sign in West would be going to Biden, you would assume, right? And then the RFK Jr. numbers we can discuss and debate what that's really telling us. But but here's the inescapable reality. And this is even the front page of the Washington Post right now. Biden said to be increasingly frustrated by dismal poll numbers. Frustrated by poll numbers. Isn't this interesting? The way they talk about this, it's almost like Biden's angry at these poll numbers. Like, hey pal, hey buddy. You know, come on, poll numbers. You gotta go up poll numbers, you know, come on man, not a joke. Well, it's not the polls fault, right? It's, you would think the Biden administration's fault. There's something that Joe Biden has done or hasn't done. Many things perhaps that have factored into all of this. Uh, but according to the Post here, his poll numbers he considers to be unacceptably low. And he is asking his team, his team, what they're going to do about it. Um, this is a November meeting, by the way, that has not been previously reported. That the Washington Post is reporting on today. And this is at a time when, as we say, most polls show Biden trailing Trump, including in the key battleground states. All right. Let's take a moment to look at these key battleground states. In Georgia, it is Trump up five. Arizona, Trump up four. Michigan, Trump up four. Nevada, Trump up four. Pennsylvania, up four. Wisconsin, it is tied. That's the latest data here that I can point to. So this is that moment in time where there's the possibility. I'm laying it out, the possibility that The left has so badly miscalculated, the Democrat Party has so badly miscalculated the mood of the electorate and the way that the American people would respond to an all-out legal assault. You know, we've we've gotten a little bit used to it, and we shouldn't, right? When I say used to it, we've become somewhat numb to it, but we shouldn't be. It's just what happens when it's reported on day in and day out that there are Four felony indictments against the leading Republican presidential contender. Whatever one really thinks of Trump, that's just preposterous. And when you look at the specifics of the charges, how many other major political figures out there have something as absolutely frivolous and destructive to our sense of the rule of law as, say, the case in New York City? A campaign finance... Accounting case that goes to a grand total of, what is it, like $150,000 or something like that, from years ago. And he charges the same count 30-some-odd times. I think it's 34 times. This is Alvin Bragg, the DA of New York City. To act like Trump is a felon who should go to prison? When the theory of the case is so absurd that when you say it out loud, it's hard to believe that anybody with a legal degree, never mind someone as esteemed, at least theoretically, as the uh, district attorney of the great city of New York would be. So something is up here, right? Something is happening. And if you were to look at when was the last time Trump was competitive with Biden, meaning that Biden really was competitive with Trump, when was the last time they were in uh, relatively close electoral proximity? It was right before the first indictment dropped. And since then, Trump has just gone up and up and up. And Biden's approval rating keeps going down. 34%, according to Monmouth, a 34% approval rating. Now, this makes perfect sense to me. In fact, it's so sensible that I have a hard time believing that it could be true because I feel like the electorate has disappointed me in recent years. 2022, 2023, the outcome in 2020, whatever you think of how that went down, Joe Biden somehow managed to wedge his way into the Oval Office. And I sit here and I say, it's hard to imagine that we've reached this point. I I have a hard time letting myself believe that we have this much clarity at this point in time, not you and me, but I mean the broader American electorate. I'm talking about independents. I'm talking about swing voters. That they have reached this this point of um, analytic precision. This early on, they realize that Joe Biden's a bum, that he's a mess, that he can't do the job, that he's too old, that he lied that they did everything possible to rig the system in 2020 in his and other Democrats' favor, that they were horrifying on COVID, that Joe Biden tried to use OSHA to force people across the country to get a shot that they, in so many millions of cases, did not want and certainly did not need and treated people who didn't want to do that like they were monsters, that Joe Biden comes into office saying he's going to unite the country And then does some of the most divisive things I have ever seen a president do. In fact, I can't think of anything more divisive than what Joe Biden and his White House's policy was with regard to vaccination and forcing this on people. And the speeches that he gave and the winter of death he talked about and all of it. And that's not even factoring in the economy, which, as we all know, they can say whatever they want. It's weak. Look at credit card debt. Look at defaults on student loans. Look at defaults on car loans. People are hurting out there. They can say as much as they want. This White House can claim that Bidenomics is working, but the American people aren't buying it. So now, here are the possibilities as I see it. And I open this up to all of you, of course. I want to hear from you. So do call in on the lines. It's a a quiet day here in uh, South Florida for me, so I'd be happy to chat with all of you from across the country. Perhaps what we are seeing is, in fact, the reality that there's an awakening of sorts about the truth of Joe Biden's presidency and the failure of Democrat policies and the overreach of the indictments and the backlash against that has put this in a place where Democrats are in a well-deserved panic over the fact that he is their guy, as I have been saying all along. For better or for worse, and it looks increasingly clear for worse, Joe Biden is their standard-bearer. Now, it might turn into Kamala soon, but that's just as problematic for them. So there's the possibility that they entirely miscalculated that Jack Smith thought he was going to be Mueller Part Two, some kind of folk hero to the Democrats, but in reality he may have catapulted Trump so far ahead of Biden that it becomes impossible to change this around. So that is something that I think we have to take seriously. But then there's also, as I said, that part of me that just thinks we must not see the train coming in the other direction here. There must be something going on. There must be some problem, some trap, some ambush Ahead. Now, maybe it is, as we've talked about, a guilty verdict in a trial against Trump. And just the perception of Donald Trump as a convicted felon would be the end. But why would people be so... I don't see that. I don't see that happening. I could be wrong. And then there's the unknown unknowns. Thank you, Donald Rumsfeld. There's something else going on here. There's some plan, or effort underway. Now, it looks increasingly unlikely that that's the case, because why is the Washington Post effectively throwing up the panic signal here, and telling everybody that the Biden White House is also in a panic? What purpose does that serve? Remember, it's all propaganda from the Washington Post. The New York Times doesn't tell its readership things without trying to advance a goal and agenda. So, what is the agenda of throwing up a panic signal for the Washington Post right now on the front page a week out before Christmas when it's already too late to get other candidates on the ballot in these states to replace Joe Biden easily? I mean, do they really want to create a situation where Biden's trailing this much and then they have to effectively admit that the sitting president that they told us was going to unite the country and do a great job is such a buffoon that they can't even have him run for a second term And they can't have his vice president run for a second term. So they're going to come up with some last-minute consensus candidate at the DNC convention and hope that that person, whoever it is, is able to just leap ahead of Trump at the last minute without having ran a campaign previously, without having the advantage of having a ground game in all these states. I mean, wow, if they can pull that off. But maybe, I don't want to say it's a Christmas miracle. But there does seem to be the possibility that when it comes to what we've been through as a country for the last three going on four years, the American people by a clear majority are recognizing that the Biden regime is a failure and that it needs to go. Wouldn't that be a nice, that would be quite a Christmas gift, although I guess it'll come a bit late or later than it would right now. Eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two. you know, we have a lot of Pure Talk cell phone customers in this audience. I'm right there with you. I enjoyed their nationwide 5G coverage. I was also able to take advantage of their new international roaming coverage when Carrie and I visited Scotland this summer. We had a great time, and I had great cell phone service thanks to Pure Talk. That's right, I was over in Scotland. Hey, laddie, yeah, this is a little bit better than last time. Their coverage now extends to 30 foreign countries. So if you're planning to travel abroad this holiday season, check out Pure Talk today. The best part is that there's no rate increase and you get excellent coverage when you're overseas. PureTalk saves the average-sized family almost $1,000 a year with plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. They put you on America's most dependable 5G network, so the coverage is second to none. Switch to Pure Talk, a veteran-owned wireless company with a U.S.-based customer service team. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say the keywords clay and buck to make the switch, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, and start saving on wireless with Pure Talk
1: now. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
5: Right now, we're talking immigration, my friend, because as we are getting closer and closer to the holiday, uh, we know that there is a negotiation that is underway here. A bipartisan group of senators are working on changes to immigration policy that places like CBS and NBC News, are saying we'll be sweeping major immigration changes on the way, perhaps. Well, what exactly is at issue? What is likely to change here? What can actually happen as a result of this? First, let me tell you what they're offering up and how they're positioning this, and then I'll tell you what I really think is going on here, okay? Um the biggest thing well here is uh, Joe Manchin you know guy who's not even running for Senate anymore why don't we hear what he has to say about this and then I'll tell you what the vote what the uh, two sides here are trying to negotiate this is Joe Manchin on board of negotiate border negotiations
6: six that I have been communicating with the negotiators my my colleagues and friends on the Democrat and Republican side also with the White House too and I'm very encouraged I'm very optimistic they're moving in a very positive way. They understand that the border is broken, that glass ceiling has been broken, and we've got to stop this dangerous immigration uh, that we have coming to our country from all over the world, Jake. Things that we've never seen, numbers that we have never seen like this. The whole world is in the flux, and they're taking advantage of a system that truly is broken. And this is not immigration reform. They're basically working diligently on just securing the border. It must be done. It must be shut down.
5: The system didn't break itself can we just take a moment here to look at what reality is on this and and get away from the uh the propaganda terms that they will use the system isn't just broken democrats and some republicans along with them have broken it they chose this reality they chose not to make the changes that could be made so that our asylum system would not be abused in this way. Let, let, one thing I've been thinking about, because this is, this really all comes down to the asylum, uh, issue in, in many ways, at least right now. That is the heart of the crisis. And, uh, he, here's what I could tell you. It's, it's a bit like if we were operating a shelter for you know for battered spouses right I- imagine for a moment america is operating a shelter for battered spouses and in any given year we're taking in you know 50 of them and we do this because it's a worthy goal we want to help people we're we we the american people are a good people and this is entirely separate from uh you know, people who were giving free housing to and everything else, right? This is specifically for people who are under threat of violence, right? So that's why I think it's important to put it in this context. America is operating a battered spouse shelter. And then people realize, hold on a second. You mean that I can get a free bed, free meals, medical care, but I just have to say that I also am an abused spouse? I'm just gonna lie about it. And then they lie and lie. Instead of the 50 people that we think we'll take in into this shelter in any given year, we've got 5,000 or 50,000. That is what they have done to the asylum system. Asylum is for people who are under threat in their home country because of persecution and oppression because of immutable characteristics. Right? We have asylum so that you know, if they're going to murder Christians in some foreign country, some perhaps Muslim-majority country, for example, or if they're going to, you know, murder people who uh, belong to some religious sect or people who speak out in defense of liberty or democracy or whatever, and we don't take everybody because we can not take everybody, but we try to take some. The people who are coming into our country right now and have been by the millions are claiming that they, too, are under threat. They're lying. They are lying to the American people. It is dishonest what they are doing. And we've known this has been going on for years. They started doing it under Trump. At first, they were abusing the rules we have in place to take special care of children found at the border. So they were all showing up with kids. And then they were all showing up saying they need asylum and they're fleeing violence. And the whole thing is a scam. So they're taking advantage of the generosity of the American people. This is not something that we should just turn a blind eye to. This is not something that we can allow to continue. And so now we get finally, oh, wow, what a shock. In the election year, we get some Senate Democrats and some Senate Republicans who are saying, you know, we're going to have to really uh, crack down on the framework here, who we're letting into the country and all this other stuff. Let me say a couple things about this. This always happens. This always happens when you get into a, a, a contentious election cycle. Um, Democrats start to pretend that they don't want this to continue. Where were they? You know, this has been a problem for three years. All of a sudden, the Senate Democrats were like, oh, one thing to keep in mind about this, they've already let... The Biden regime has already let, I'm going to say, and what, eight million? Maybe six or seven, but going to be, going to be basically eight when all said and done, when you add the gotaways and the visa overstays and eight million illegals added to the overall tally in three years, three years and change. Okay. So now they're turning around and saying, Oh yeah, we, we need to figure out what we're going to do about this. Oh. Right. So once they've already gotten eight million, now they're saying we're going to to change the rules about deportation. Who comes into the country? Well, that will be temporary. They will say this for the election year. They will say this now. And maybe they come to some kind of framework agreement. I don't believe it'll pass in the House. I don't believe anything's really going to happen other than a lot of talk about how, yeah, we need to secure the border. And then you know what happens? Count on this one. If you have a Democrat, any Democrat, Biden, Harris, Michelle Obama, you know, whatever, right? Any Democrat becomes president of the United States for the next four years. The biggest single push you will see if now this, I know it depends on Senate and House control and there's some variables here, but if they're in a place where they can, and they may just try this with the executive branch, think about what they've been able to do so far. They have effectively through nullification of our immigration laws. That's what's happened. It's not just the system broke. They have chosen, through lack of enforcement, they have chosen, through absurdly low credible fear standards, to nullify our federal immigration laws because it is to the Democrats' political benefit to do so. And so, why would they change? Why would that not be what they want going forward? Well, what they really want is amnesty. And that is what the next Democrat administration that comes into office, if there is one, is going to push for more than any other single policy. Because if you win that if you win that policy fight, what what are you not going to win? I mean, look at what's happened in the state of California. California gave us Ronald Reagan. California was a solidly Republican state into the 90s. Now it's the heart of the Democrat resistance. Now it's, you know, communist looney tunes with uh, very rich people and people very dependent on the state living, well, I was going to say side by side, living far apart from each other, except when the dependent people in the state have to, you know, trim the hedges and, you know, uh, pick up the kids and clean the house and all the things that, you know, the servant class in California does. So you sit there and you say, they've already run this playbook. Don't we think they're going to run it again? What would be different this time around, and I'm here to tell you nothing. I'm here to tell you that, if anything, the Democrats view this as a massive success. Um, this hasn't gotten as much attention as it should have from Republicans in the House. I think, unfortunately, a lot of big business and therefore big donors, including Republicans, are always whining about how they want more cheap labor. What, what about paying people more? It's amazing to me. I, I've been in these uh, situations with, I've been at, you know, places where there are high level Republican donors and some of them will even say this out loud. They say, well, I, I can't, I can't run my business unless I can hire the illegals. And I say, why is that? They say, well, I, I can't, I, you know, I, I don't want to pay what Americans of any race, by the way, what Americans would want to do that job. So I have illegals who are going to be dependent upon state resources, meaning the taxpayer, meaning getting their health care in the emergency rooms. If you look at New York York City, New York City emergency rooms are basically now where the tens of thousands of new illegals are all going to get all of their medical care, all funded by the taxpayer. And you may say, oh, well, of course, we have to help people and give them prescription glasses and all this stuff. And you say, okay, yeah, what happens if you go in there and you're having a heart attack? how are you going to feel about the uh, all the illegals getting their like primary care at taxpayer expense not even supposed to be in the country and you say oh well i want everyone to have health care this is like what a lib would say and you go well do you want to wait 6 hours while you're having a heart attack i don't think you're going to have 6 hours ah you mean there are consequences here and this has what this is what has finally pushed democrats to have to address this issue Mayor Eric Adams is out there warning everybody. He said, look, this is a crisis, and the federal money's not coming, so guess what? New York City residents are gonna be picking up this tab. This is cut five.
4: We had to do a real job of explaining to everyday New Yorkers that the federal government has abandoned uh, this important issue that's a national issue. So sort they're of angry. And it's gonna come out. I'm the mayor. <laughs> you know?
5: I'm just I'm I'm just so set on making sure that everyone understands this, this is the desired outcome for Democrats. They're now turning around and saying, oh my gosh, you mean that like all these people are getting into the country? Oh my gosh. Um, our, our team uh, pulled the numbers. According to Customs and Border Patrol, it's over 5.4 million illegal border crossings. Plus, those are apprehensions. Plus 1.5 million got away, so that's 6.9 million, call it 7 million. Like, look out this, I said, like, it'll be eight soon. Yeah, it'll be eight soon. It's about 7 million right now. 7 million people? That's getting close to being the size of New York City, our largest city. All illegals. And that's added to the 20 million, 30 million illegals who are already in the country. Why even have an, if this isn't a problem, to any of your lib friends out there who are going to bring this up, to any of, any of the uh, the commies you're going to see on MSNBC, you know, they have like car and driver and multiple houses and they fly private and you know, oh, you know, they love illegals because who's going to do their, uh, manual labor for them, right? I mean, the, the elites in this country, particularly elite Democrats are horrible on this issue. Horrible. Oh, do you think this might have anything to do with the cost of housing? Hmm. What, what happens? It, you know they, they tell us that labor doesn't have a supply and demand component, which is a lie. Of course it does. But, oh, they're not bringing down wages by having millions, millions more people in the labor force who weren't supposed to be. Um, what about housing? Where are all the illegals going to live? How does that work exactly? Seven million of them. Okay. Yeah. They're living in homes. And I know, I know they're not all living in single-family homes and all the rest of it, but... That has pressure on the housing market. That adds a challenge. And to a lot of people out there who are saying, so, you know, I'm I'm doing everything right, I'm saving up money, and I'm not going to be able to buy a pretty standard house in a pretty, you know, standard part of America for another 10 years at my current rate because of where rates are, but also the cost of housing in general. Well, you know, America is, you know, a land of illegal immigrants. So, you know, we all have to pitch in. We all have to pay the price. Um and that's what the Democrats don't really tell you, but that's the reality that they're facing. And when you see this piling up in a place like New York City, it becomes all too apparent, all too clear, what the real costs and consequences of this actually are. And they're now going to pretend that they want to clean up the mess. And I'm the one to tell you, they caused this mess, and they will cause it again. They spilled this milk all over the kitchen floor, And they've been doing it for years. Now they're saying, oh my gosh, did someone spill milk on the floor? And as soon as the election happens, they're going to be saying, we need more milk on the floor. Let's go. They don't care. They think this is to their benefit. They broke this system and act like it happened naturally. They chose this. You have to understand they chose this. And the only way it stops is if enough of the American people vote them out of power and we put Republicans in place who are going to are going to lock down illegal crossings at the border? And, yes, deport a lot of people. Send them back to their home countries who are not supposed to be in this country. Otherwise, just let's stop pretending that we have an immigration system. What's the point? Why have immigration laws? When is the law the law? It's not on this issue, but it is on everything else, right? Unless you're Hunter Biden. Then the laws are a big joke. You know, a couple of months ago, I was introduced to the greatest pre-workout supplement I've ever used, Chad Mode comes from our friends at Chalk. It's a powder supplement that you mix with water or juice before exercising or any activity where you need elevated focus, drive, energy, attention. Chad Mode is phenomenal. I think it tastes really good, too, and it's all clean, pure ingredients. And they're all listed right there. A lot of pre-workouts, honestly. It's like, do I put this in my body or put this in my car? It's got a lot of kind of crappy, junky materials in it. Chad Mode, clean real ingredients all listed there for you so you can see and it's the best stuff you're going to get out there. I use it before I go to the gym. I also use it sometimes when I have to get a lot of writing done all at once. Go find it yourself at Chad uh go find Chadman rather at chalk.com. C H O Q.com is how it's spelled. You can save 35% off of subscription by using my name buck in the purchase process. That's chalk.com C H O Q.com. And use the name Buck for a 35% off.
1: Truth seeking. Reality telling. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show.
5: Now I got, I got Ginger on my lap. It is the season apparently. He's trying to chew through my mic cord, which would be bad. That would, that would not. Alright you, you gotta get out of here. Sorry about that team. She's, uh, I, I, I don't think, well I guess it's made of rubber, but the mic cord doesn't taste very good. She knows she's only she's only allowed to be in the radio studio when I'm here because otherwise she gets herself into lots of trouble. All right, on to serious things. On to serious things. Um, uh, I mentioned the Bill Maher clip and he gets into a bit of history. I think it's important history for people to know, and I think it's important to reframe a lot of the context in which we have this, you know, Israel, um, Palestine discussion and and debate, and people talk about, oh. They talk about um, the last hundred years or so, and they don't talk about how this actually goes back a lot longer than that. And when you have the full historical context, I think it's much easier to come to a conclusion that is, well, rooted in sanity instead of what you're seeing from these young people who overwhelmingly side with the Palestinians. Here is Bill Maher speaking about... A Little Town of Bethlehem. Play 13.
6: I see a lot of nativity scenes when I'm out, as you always do, before Christmas, and I can't help thinking about where that manger really is. It's in the West Bank on Palestinian land, controlled by the Palestinian Authority. In 1950, the little town of Bethlehem was 86% Christian. Now it's overwhelmingly Muslim. And that's my point tonight. Things change. To 2.3 billion Christians, there can be no more sacred site than where their savior was born. But they don't have it anymore. And yet no crusader army has geared up to take it back. Things change. Countries, boundaries, empires. Palestine was under the Ottoman Empire for 400 years. But today an Ottoman is something you put under your feet.
5: It's all true. Everything he's saying here is accurate. And as I've pointed out so many times in the past, um, The entirety of what we now think of as Turkey and much of the Near East would have been the Christian Orthodox Byzantine Empire. But you don't hear people saying, you know, Turkey, give it back, or at least not anyone that I know. You gotta move on at some point. Um, Because ultimately, if you, if you remove people far enough from what they have the ability to control, if you try to hold people to account for actions that they didn't do themselves and had no power to effectuate one way or another you're destroying the basis for morality for individual action for true culpability and for accountability and so that means you're never able to come to a moral conclusion about this because all you're left with is fights over who was worse historically or who did this or who did that to whom 100 years ago 500 years ago and for those who have been exposed to as I've said to, uh, jihadist rhetoric in recent years, I'm talking about the last decade or so, they still talk about the, in their, you know, propaganda pronouncements, the loss of Andalusia, of Spain as some uh, terrible calamity. They still believe that any territory that has ever been a part of a Muslim country or a Muslim empire should still be. And they have a right to violence, to effectuate violence in order to achieve that goal and i'm here to point out that is insane that is a theory of effectively endless uh and uh, endless war and so bill maher points out the history of this and he also goes further and talks about how if you're speaking of colonialism and conquest and i have to remind people of this frequently much of the islamic world was historically a function of conquest much of the Islamic world was spread by the sword. This is Bill Maher in f- clip
6: 14. Play this one. No one knows more about being pushed off land than the Jews, including being almost wholly kicked out of every Arab country they once lived in. Yes, TikTok fans, ethnic cleansing happened both ways. Nobody was a bigger colonizer than the Muslim army that swept out of the Arabian desert and took over much of the world in a single century. And they didn't do it by asking. There's a reason Saudi Arabia's flag is a sword. There were deals on the table to share the land called Palestine in 1947, 93, 95, 98, 2000, 2008. And East Jerusalem could have been the capital of a Palestinian state that today might look more like Dubai than Gaza.
5: Yes. Again, a knowledge of the history here is useful in understanding what's really going on. But I, I think that what you see is uh, the same mindset that has people um, fighting over our own history here and wanting to uh, position it in a very specific context. Is the mindset that is used to make the uh, make people think the Palestinians are just a oppressed minority who have done nothing wrong? Um, in in essence, when you have people in this country that are advocating, say, for the New York Times' 1619 project and trying to present that as the true history of this country, they do that so that America, as we know it today, is tainted um, and should be thought of as an oppressive state and the only way to deal with this is to hand power to those who buy into this narrative to give them stuff to give them power um, and it never ends and you might sit there and say well hold on I, I didn't you know i wasn't alive in 1619 i had nothing to do with this i i no one alive today um was touched by uh or was a part of of slavery in any context so it's isn't it unfair to hold us all responsible for this in some way. And also, how do you calculate, and this brings me to uh, a little bit of a discussion around this monument, they're saying the uh, Confederate monument that they're taking down in uh, Arlington, it's really a Civil War, post-Civil War reconciliation monument. Um, you, you look at this and you say, well, how do you calculate the uh, the lives lost in the Civil War that ended the institution of slavery? is there is there any credit given for that you know you start to look at this and say uh, who is the arbiter of what is enough historically for us to move on and i just think that unfortunately in the case of of palestine specifically uh, and what we see going on right now in gaza it's a failed society with a failed narrative and failed attempts to bring the jewish state uh, israel to its knees and so they're just desperate always to blame somebody else. You know, uh, victimology and the rejection of accountability leads to horrible things because you're not living in reality. You are living by lies, right? You are refusing Solzhenitsyn's um, advice, which is to live not by lies. And the uh, whether it's Hamas or overall the Palestinian leadership in Gaza, they are constantly living by lies. Living by lies about history, about their current intentions, about their actions, about the morality of what they do and their terror campaigns and their willingness to even be uh, honest negotiating partners with the Israelis in any context, they are full of lies. And that is why no progress is made. Not just in dealing with the Israeli people, but no progress is made for the Palestinian people either. Because if you're not rooted in reality and truth, how are you ever going to fix things? So I give Bill Maher full credit for analysis that makes sense on this, and I think he's realized the woke left is is uh, in the midst of a of a mass delusion uh, of a a psychic epidemic, if you will. You know, if your phone's handy, grab it right now and download an app called Upside. It's a free app that helps you get cash back from every purchase you make, every gallon of gas, every grocery store purchase, every meal out. You know, I'm actually pretty low on gas right now. I'm going out tonight to see some friends. So guess what? On my way there, I'm going to be in my SUV, and I'm going to go to a gas station. That Upside tells me to go to because I'm going to get a better price. I'm going to get cash back. Um, Signing up takes all about two minutes, maybe even less than that. Use my name, Buck, when you download the Upside app. So this program gets the credit, and in the process, you'll get an extra $0.25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. Speaking of cash back on gas per, uh, purchases, the Upside app tells you how much cash you're getting back at each participating gas station, whether it's $0.35 cents or $0.40 cents per gallon, and it's always changing by a penny or two. It adds up. An Upside app user will save 300 bucks a year. At supermarkets, it's common to get 11 to 12% back on your total purchases. And at restaurants... Depending on where you go, you're getting like 3 to 7% cash back. It adds up. You know, use the Upside app. It's fun. It's going to save you hundreds of bucks. And by the way, downloading it is free. Download that Upside app now. Use promo code Buck. You'll get the extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. That's the Upside app in the App Store. Download it now and use my name, Buck, and you'll get taken care of. You'll be saving money. <laughs>
1: Geek out with the guys on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck Podcast. A new episode every Sunday. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media.
4: Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.
0: More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
1: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny.
5: Furry little elf that is nipping my feet when I'm doing a radio show here, little ginger. And, uh, right now she's being, she's being pretty calm. She's great. She's great. She's uh, a lot of fun. Um, but she does like to nibble and she has sharp little teeth, but I'm bringing this up because we know we have so many, um, dog and cat lovers in this audience. And we wanted to take a moment here to say you can. Put your pets on social and tag uh, Clay and Buck, and uh, and we'll start putting some of them up on the website as well at clayandbuck.com. So at Clay and Buck on Twitter, or I guess on Instagram as well, guys. Same deal. And uh, clayandbuck.com. We'll put some of them up because we're putting up a little ginger photo. She is uh, she is here with me, making sure that I stay on just the facts and just the news. You know, she doesn't want any uh, digressions. She's very She's very specific about her radio content, you know, and, uh, so I've got to keep her well informed make sure she's a happy, happy little pooch. Uh, we've got some VIP emails as well. Speaking of ClayandBuck.com, uh, let's get to this one. Matt writes, fear of Trump is a major motivator for Democrat voters and a campaign focus for Biden. If it looks like Joe is falling behind in the polls, fear of Trump increases and Democrat voters are more likely to get obsessed, motivated, involved, and show up. So, Matt, what you're saying to me in this email seems to be that you think that they're trying to increase turnout by underestimating Biden in the polls, right? That that's the plan. The only thing that, that comes to mind for me with that as a possible theory here is usually I'm told, oh, they're trying to depress turnout by... Making someone look weaker in the polls, right? So, I, you know, I, I think people argue that one both ways. Um, and there you go. Damon writes, Michelle Obama doesn't have to want the job because her husband wants it. She would just be a figurehead. I mean, Damon, I, I, I hear you. I've heard this theory. And if I am wrong, uh, if I am wrong, I will eat humble pie on this one. No question. Okay. I'll, I will. Uh, I'll tell everybody, okay, I'm wrong, um, but I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. I, You know, I, I can't have stake bets with all of you out there because if I'm wrong, I'd go bankrupt, but I really don't think that this Michelle uh, Obama plan is going to be what they go with. You know, I, I really just think that their plan is to use the Democrat apparatus to the best of their ability to just push forward Biden or Harris. Um, you know, I I think that people, you know, for example, why would Harris be pushed aside for Michelle Obama in this scenario? And people say, oh, because Kamala Harris is not a good politician, right? She's not charismatic. She's not. I, I mean, I I've you know, Michelle Obama can deliver a written speech, sure, but have you seen her on the campaign trail? I mean, I I haven't. And when I say that, obviously she was with Barack, but I'm saying running as a candidate. Handling questions, sometimes even hostile questions from the crowd. Now, maybe they cover the whole thing um with the most partisan uh touch imaginable, right? Maybe they decide that they're all well, well of course they would, and that's enough. Um, but I don't really I don't really see it. Um I still think it's not gonna happen. Uh here we go. Clay and Buck, this is from Pete. I just have a general observation. It drives me crazy that elected office holders refer to their occupation as public service while the rest of us have jobs. There, I feel better. You know, Pete, I, 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 get it. Um, I, I would argue that any job that is productive and honest and contributes is a public service. Any job. So for the, you know, whether you're listening right now, you're a, a, a trucker, a doctor, a, uh, a hardware store owner an employee at a fortune 500 company you know any job where you are producing and adding and giving a service or a product and doing so honestly that is a public service uh the other thing that drives me nuts i'll just say it is I, we got to stop with this referring to people by previous titles that they no longer have i know I'm out, i know i'm out of my own on this one but you know calling everyone ambassador or governor or whatever, or even president. Not anymore. I don't think that should be the way. Traveling overseas this Christmas and New Year's, perhaps? Pure Talk has you covered. They've been busy this year adding international roaming in over 30 countries. So if you're fortunate enough to be headed toward, let's say, Rome or London or the beaches of the Bahamas, you'll have Pure Talk cell phone service. You'll be covered without any rate increase. PureTalk saves the average sized family almost a thousand dollars a year with plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. And they put you on America's most dependable 5G network, so the coverage is second to none. Switch to PureTalk. It's my cell phone company, it's got great service, and this is a company that is all American in its values and in the way it approaches customer service. They're second to none. From your cell phone, dial pound 250, say the keywords clay and buck, make the switch you'll save an additional 50% off your first month again dial pound 250 and say clay and buck to start saving on wireless
0: now more than a movie is back with season two i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia
1: he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of fredo and the coldness of michael